Hi, Podcast Brunch Club. A quick thanks to our organizational partners, The Ven, which puts out a weekly list of hand-picked, nonpartisan political podcasts that makes it quick and simple to learn more about the big political issues surrounding the 2020 U.S. election. Critical Frequency, an all-women-owned and operated podcast network for independent creators and those who are often overlooked in mainstream media. Podchaser, the IMDb of podcasts that offers amazing search and list creation. Listen Notes, a powerful podcast search engine that also offers list creation. And Audioboom, a podcast network featuring funny, inspiring, entertaining, and thought-provoking podcasts. Go find these companies. They are great for both content and discovery, and they support and give back to the listener community. If you're an individual or an organization and you want to support the amazing listener community, think about becoming a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash podcast brunch club. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. I'm Steve, leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the club. Our theme this month is breaking the news. You can find the full playlist of podcast episodes at podcastbrunchclub.com slash breaking news. Today we'll be speaking with Dan LaDuke, the host of After the Fact from the Pew Charitable Trusts, which was featured on this month's playlist. The episode we featured this month was episode 27, Finding Facts, with guest Alan Miller, who founded the News Literacy Project. In addition to Dan's podcast hosting duties, he was a daily newspaper journalist for many years and currently serves as editor for two Pew publications, Trust and Trend. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. It's, the Podcast Brunch Club is a really cool idea. Well, thank you. I'll have to let the founder know. Can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Pew Charitable Trusts? Sure. Well, Pew has been around for 70 years. We started out as a foundation, but now we're like this global research and public policy organization. And we sort of have a pretty broad portfolio of things that we work on, like environmental conservation and consumer finance and criminal justice reform. But the thread that runs through all the work we do is that we always use data we always do our work based on uh, on solid evidence, and we always bring a nonpartisan approach to stuff where we're a little different from our brethren over at the Pew Research Center, which is a subsidiary of, of the trusts, is that we do have some projects that only inform the public, but we also have some projects that say, hey, we found some pretty good information, and we think we should move ahead and try to get some policy changes that would make life better for people. The Pew Research Center doesn't do that. They don't take policy positions at all. They just issue really interesting surveys and reports. You mentioned I, I spent a long time in newspapers before um, I came to Pew. I was at the Washington Post and the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I've been at Pew now about 10 years, and some of what I do is pretty traditional editing. We produce a magazine that comes out four times a year about our work. We also have an annual policy journal. I like to call it a, a journal of ideas. The latest cover we did is on the future of water, and it's online if people want to check it out. It's pretty cool. But the coolest thing I've been doing in the last two years has been the podcast. It's a great way to reach a new audience. And after being in print for so long, I really love the intimacy of conversations like you and I are having. What can listeners expect from After the Fact? Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and maybe the team that makes the show possible? Sure. Well, after the fact, we sort of emphasize the word fact. We go after facts, right? That's what we're all about. Every episode has a data point, and we then sp spend the next 15 to 20 minutes talking with experts that help explain this data point and what it means in the world today. Sometimes 
We'll look at Pew Research Center data about demographic changes in the country. Sometimes we'll look at a really cool uh, fact about the environment. Sometimes the facts are a little disturbing. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was about penguins. Everybody loves penguins. Unfortunately, there's an area in Argentina where they're in big decline. Our data point was a 43% decline. And we interviewed uh, this fascinating scientist named Dee Borsma, who was like the Jane Goodall of penguins, right? And she played audio penguins, helped us understand what they're going through, talked about her life down in Argentina with them, uh, and introduced us to this really cool penguin named Turbo. Well, I really love what you're doing with the podcast because it really breathes life into the work that's being done at Pew Research Center. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the research process, something that we wouldn't know as average listeners? Well, you know, here at the Trust, we have a bunch of projects that do very basic analytical research that's out there trying to develop the very data that we then cite. The Research Center, of course, does the same thing. They do public opinion surveys, and they do some fascinating analysis of demographics, uh, census numbers. Some of the things that they've done include some of the most in-depth work on religion that's being done around the world, and some of the most in-depth work on the expanding Hispanic population in the United States. So they've sort of carved out some niches, and we've tried to, at the Trust, do the same thing. The podcast lets us, you know, take these facts and have some meaningful conversations with, with new audiences. You know, the, the, the current environment is just so crowded and jumbled with a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of information out there. I mean, I, I once had an idea for a magazine article that we should call the too much information age, you know, what, what's going on? And w w what we try to do is come up with some data that is meaningful and it tells people what's going on in the world. And ideally, it's also data that when we hit the sweet spot is the stuff that informs better policy and makes people's lives better. And we talk about that and let people know that these sorts of facts and data exist. And it's a way of uh, looking at the world. Well, and that's really a great transition because that's what I really wanted to hear a little bit more about was this changing media environment. So in Alan Miller's work with the News Literacy Project, by his own admission in the episode, many students believe that all information is created equal, which is understandable as the internet has brought an endless supply of media sources. Is there anything else you can tell us about your work with this episode regarding in general the rapidly changing media and social media world that we live in? Well, you know, I, 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 come, I come to this with a background in journalism myself, so I care deeply about the subject. And the episode we did with Alan was, was one of my favorites because I just think it's so important to what's going on in the world today. You know, any one of us, you know, has a social media account. The Pew Research Center data is already showing that something like two-thirds of Americans are getting some of their news from social media. And a lot of folks are sort of reading that stuff and accepting it as truth. And in many cases, some of it is. But it all comes back to how do you evaluate what you're reading? And that's what Allen's group does so well. They teach students how to evaluate what you're reading so that you can sort of – you can separate the wheat from the shaft when you're going through your social media feed and actually know what's really going on as opposed to what people say is going on, which can be two different things. You know, and really, uh, working in media myself, and independent media mostly, that whole how do you penetrate this noisy media sphere uh, is kind of something I think about a lot. Now, after the fact is, a, is based on data points. And this episode led with a statistic, 64% of Americans say false news stories are creating a great deal of confusion about the basic facts about current events and issues. Can you tell me a little bit about how your show has penetrated that and got underneath maybe this noisy media sphere that we live in? 
Well, I hope anybody that listens is sort of realizing that they can rely on the data we give them because it is nonpartisan. It is based on facts and research. And, you know, we don't have an, any sort of special perspective. We're just trying to help inform people. You know, in the episode we did about Alan, you know, his work with students is just so critical right now. And the analogy he made to sort of like what this means to sort of the public health and what it means to sort of the public health of democracy, I think is a really important thing for people to think about. You know, Pew is really a believer in a active, civically engaged and informed public. People should be able to, you know, make, make good decisions about the future of their nation, but it should come based on really solid facts. And so every episode we plan is always based in that sort of data and those sort of facts. We just did a big series about the American family, the, sort of the state of the American family today. And it, the genesis for that idea came when we were just sort of sitting around. We have three or four really smart producers who uh, – who do all of our planning and research, and they're like, wow, what, what, look at all this data about, you know, women are waiting longer to get married, and then they're waiting longer to have children, and wow, uh, people are really waiting a long time to retire now. Things are different. And we realized if we could string that data together, all really solid, accurate stuff, you could create a portrait of the American family from sort of marriage to parenting to child-rearing to retirement and tell the story of families by the numbers. And so we did. We created four episodes. We traveled around the country. We talked to some real people, real families, real moms and dads in their homes and in their workplaces. And everything was based on the data, and the data drove the story. And the people we talked to, believe it or not, you know, their real lives matched the data because that's reality. And it really was, was a compelling story that got a pretty good reaction, I hope, because we used data. It's really fascinating to have a better understanding of the quote-unquote American dream or this idea of what we think America is. It seems like I, I see a lot of media coming out around election time trying to understand who are we actually speaking to. Well, you know, our very first episode two and a half years ago was on the American dream. Pew has done a lot of research on the financial plight of the American family in recent years. And they did a survey that showed that 92% of Americans these days prefer financial security over economic mobility, getting ahead. You know, and that's a really sort of new way of thinking about the American dream. I mean, for generations now, it's been about we can do better than the previous generation. You know, sons and daughters can do better than their parents. Today, that nine in 10 Americans say the American dream is just being able to sleep at night and know you're paying your bills. And that's, that's a difference in the American psyche. Are there any other media-related studies that we might want to hear about or tune into if we want to hear some more of after the fact? Yeah, we've, we've done several other episodes on sort of the news, journalism, media world, and we'll be doing more in, in the coming year. But the ones that are out there now that people may want to listen to, one is about deep fakes. You know, the reality is you can log on and watch a video now that looks incredibly real and has nothing to do with reality. You know, the, the technology has just advanced so much that deep fakes are becoming a really, you know, serious problem in our society to the point that, you know, the government is researching, like, what do we do about that? And we interviewed uh, Professor uh, Hani Farid, who's at Berkeley now, and he's sort of like the leading expert on this. And can just, he talked a lot about how fakes are put together, the implications they have for our democracy. I mean, that's the thing to remember, right? Everything we're trying to do here is 
what are the implications for like self-governance and self-governance and democracy? It's not just this is fake stuff. It it matters. And then another uh, episode we did, uh, we talked about how now something like 67% of U.S. adults are saying they're getting some of their news online. That's something we had talked about a little early in our conversation. And it's a pretty amazing statistic when you think about it. Not, not their sole source of news, but it means they're coming across news in times they may not expect it. Think about it. You get on the elevator, you have your phone, you're scrolling through your social media feed, and a news story pops up. It's changing how Americans get their news. And the fact that so many people are now online and that online stuff can be easily manipulated is sort of a serious concern for all of us. And so, as I said, we've explored a couple of these topics in in the last year and we'll be doing more. Well, that's really fascinating. And honestly, I hope that after the fact becomes a part of many of our listeners' um, media palette as they're getting their news in the future. But with such a little time left, I just want to ask you, how can listeners connect with you and After the Fact podcast as a whole? Well, you can find us online at pewtrust.org slash after the fact. And we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, pretty much any streaming service where you can get podcasts, you can find us. And we'd love to hear from, you know, listeners. We, we appreciate thoughts, suggestions, ideas. Just tell us hi. You can email us at podcasts at pewtrust.org. You can also follow Pew on Twitter at PewTrust, or you can even ping me directly at the Dan LaDuke. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dan, and giving us a deeper look at After the Fact. Thanks, Steve. It was great talking to you. If you aren't a member of the Podcast Brunch Club, be sure to head over to podcastbrunchclub.com and sign up. We'll be back throughout the month with more creator interviews and a roundup episode with Adela and Sarah. Until next time, happy listening. Hey, Steve here from the Minneapolis PBC with a few credits. First off, please rate and review our podcast on your podcast player of choice. The music you heard today is downloaded from freemusicarchive.org. And this episode featured music from Chad Crouch with their song Rainbow. The ad music at the top of the show is from Ms. Algana with their song Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by a woman I can't praise enough, Adela. Sarah Da Silva is our other podcast host, the leader of the Houston chapter of PBC, and the founder of Audible Feast. Thanks to Jenna Spinelli, leader of our online PBC chapter. She also writes many articles for the PBC website. Check them out. And thanks to Pia Piscatelli for all her hard work on our social media feeds. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Steve Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening!